What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. Tune in to Done By Law. An informal and irreverent look at the law. Critical insights and analysis from diverse community perspectives. Done By Law, 6pm Tuesdays. Welcome to Done By Law on 3CR 855 AM. And also welcome to those listening via various podcast platforms or via streaming on 3cr.org.au. Your hosts tonight are Indra, Gemma and Sue. It's just after 6pm on Tuesday the 2nd of November 2021. You're listening to content that was pre-recorded on Saturday the 30th of October. We would like to start by acknowledging the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation as the original and rightful custodians of the land that 3CR broadcasts from. We also acknowledge the First Nations custodians of the various lands all of us in this program are joining from. We pay our respects to elders past and present, and we acknowledge that this land was stolen and never ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. So pretty much everything that goes on in the modern common law justice system uses the English language. In fact, the whole concept of the Western legal system was based on the oral tradition. Um, law and judgments were read aloud before they were ever written down. And still today, our system depends on a deep understanding of the English language. This ranges from the obvious things like the ability to, to take an oath um, or to, to make an affidavit uh, to the more subtle things like knowing uh, when you have been asked to stand or bow to, the, to a judge um, or appreciating when in cross-examination an accusation has been put to you. So in law, knowledge of language is power. So imagine what it's like to find yourself caught up in a system where you're not able to follow what's going on because your first language is not English. You might be fluent in multiple languages, but if English isn't one of them, then you're in a difficult position. I imagine that could be pretty scary. So when this happens, how does and should the legal system respond? Tonight, we're talking all about this. We're exploring this experience through the eyes of an interpreter. So who not only works in the legal system, but is also writing her PhD on this topic, amongst other stuff. She's amazing. Welcome to our special guest, Akuch Agnes, who has two master's qualifications and is now undertaking her PhD research at La Trobe University. And she is a professional interpreter. She speaks Dinka, Arabic and English. Welcome, Akuch. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. So great to be here. <laughs> Akush, just to start off with, I guess, would you be able to tell us a little bit about your role as an interpreter within the legal system? Maybe what, what brought you to, to become an interpreter as well? Yeah, yeah. I think my um, drive or my passion to pursue uh, work as an interpreter started when uh, my family and I arrived in Australia in 2005. Um, it was pretty challenging to communicate in English because um, 
we we didn't speak English at all, and so did um, other families that arrived at the same time as refugees in Australia. So I realized that there was need and there was a very high demand within the community to uh, have access to interpreters that are from the same community and from the same cultural background. Um, so I started on a voluntary basis, just interpreting for my immediate family, interpreting for my relatives, and that expand to you know being called by no one in the community. So <laughs> I thought since I'm already doing this pro bono, I might as well just um, pursue the qualification and the accreditation for it in order to become um, a professional, professionally recognized interpreter, which is um, the one that actually work in the legal system. Like if, you, if you're not accredited or qualified as a professional interpreter, you can only interpret in certain other various settings within the community, but you can't interpret as, um, as a, a legal interpreter from a legal setting. So is it, who is it exactly that em- employs you? Like, how does the in- interpreting system work? Is it sort of, because I would imagine it would also be in a lot of different settings, like it may be in courts or how does that sort of work? Yeah, you can, um, once once you complete the, the training and the course or the NATI's accreditation exam, uh, you can register with various interpreting agencies. There are there is VIPs, there's on call, there's all graduate and so forth that are um, based in Melbourne and um, internationally and nationally. Or you can get contracted um, by the court. That's uh, rarely uh, that rarely happens um, the, because they prefer all the interpreters to come through an in, in, through an agency because the agency does a lot of background checks, a lot of training, a lot of, um, uh, you know, professional development courses and training on the side just to make sure that you are on top of uh, new regulation, new code of uh, conduct, new ethics and so forth. So you get contracted through an agency and then you work um, in, in, in various legal settings. I feel like that leads on nicely to one of my questions, which I was interested in asking, which is obviously it's a it's an industry which is really well regulated or and, and professional. Um, what's given that and that wanted wanting to ensure that there's a really high standard maintained? What are the kind of hallmarks of a very good interpreter? Like, do you, are you able to watch other interpreters doing their craft in court or in other settings and understand the how a quality interpretation should look? Yeah, when you're when you're going through the training, um, either that's uh, the training to sit the exam or to um, or just doing the course, a diploma or a certificate or a bachelor's, um, there there are a lot of instances where uh, you do uh, scenarios, you you go to to court just to observe, um, or you uh, can uh, have a a sort of um, a mock exam within during the course, so you become um, comfortable, comfortable and confident in um, understanding the the non-English speaker and the speaker. Uh, obviously, you have to have um, you have to be very sufficient in being an intuitive um, listener uh, and also um, excellent 
concentration and, and memory. Memory is, wow. a, is, a, is a huge part of, uh, of the job because um, you, you, you really have to remember what each party says in order to translate it accurately um, and, and clearly so that both, both parties can understand what you're saying without, um, with, with, without um, altering the message that was said. Yeah, I was going to ask a bit more about that, I guess, like when, what leeway do you have as an interpreter, I guess, to obviously relay the kind of word for word practical um, mirror, you know, in what another language might be versus the underlying sentiment of what is being put, at, you know, how can you, what kind of, um, how much can you add on your own interpretation or read into that, that those words? Mm. Uh... <clears throat> Our code of conduct and ethics says that there are no leeways you have to translate the message according to how it's it's um it's been said by the party that you're interpreting for. However, that is challenging and tricky sometimes, depending on the language that you're interpreting it into, because um, dialects also play a huge role. And interpreting in a legal setting um, is, is quite tricky because our legal system uses a language that is um, sort of almost a language on its own. That, that not even like, a, not even an English, a native English speaker can fully comprehend if they are not from the legal, uh, if they don't have a legal background. So training to um, to understand the, the the language in the legal context is is a huge puzzle on its own that you have to figure out, and then um, translating that into the native language that you are interpreting it into, and making sure the meaning is the same or very similar because sometimes there are no um, words that can translate the exact terminology into the native language without you having to um, unpack it a little bit for the native speaker in order for them to fully understand what the word mean. So it's, wow. it's, it's a lot of processing um, when, 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 you're, when you're interpreting the meaning. Uh, it's a lot of, um, it's, it's, it's a lot of, pull, it's a lot of, pulling from your uh, cultural awareness, uh, competency and, and, and meaning of the word um, into the, the native language. And sometimes when you speak various languages like myself, you can, you can really get, um, you can, it, it can get really tricky because um, the, the way the brain works sometimes you can, um, make a mistake of saying the word in 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 swahili or in arabic or in Dinka <laughs> when you're supposed to say it in english <laughs> so it's um your brain is operating at a, at a wholly different level i think to mine of that's unfortunately an issue that i will never <laughs> i've never come across because i'm just so um uh bad at languages but far out that must be so exhausting you must be exhausted by the end of an, an, an interpreting period you know yeah, it is. Um, it's exhausting, uh, but it's also joyful because you 
you walk away knowing and feeling that especially the non-english speaker is being given the agency and the opportunity to communicate what they want to communicate across um so in a way that is quite fulfilling uh you know giving people the chance to to, to speak uh regardless of what language uh they they speak um i should say giving people the chance to communicate um regardless of what language they speak yeah i am um, i have to say i've had the um privilege of watching a, an interpreter uh do their work in in a trial set setting it was a criminal law setting when i was working at the court and um i saw firsthand how very quickly the entire legal system grinds to a halt if um the interpretation um is you know if 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 there's a, an issue between a barrister and an interpreter or and the you know in this case it was the accused um where the interpreter was doing their best to try and translate what was being put but it was you could see it was the ships in the night that people were just there were just missed meanings that were going across and suddenly the courts really shown up as this very awkward um <laughs> place um so you must have seen a number of uh or, or perhaps experienced that firsthand as well yeah yeah there are um instances where um as you as you probably would all know because you're from um that background also in court um it's things happen really fast and and you are expected to uh, just bounce uh off the information as it comes um but sometimes it's it's it, it can happen and it's uh, it's doable and interpreters do manage to do that uh because they are trying to um to do what what what's what's being said and translated um accurately with great meanings however sometimes when um the lawyers the barristers or the judge are speaking too fast um and expecting the interpreter to travel at the same speed um this is regarding that uh one sentence can sound like one sentence in english but if i was to interpret it to uh, a dinga speaking um accuse or um the person that i'm interpreting for uh it's it might take me 2 uh, 3 more minutes it, it might be a whole it might sound like a whole conversation that i'm having with with the, with the, with <laughs> with the accuse um and sometimes the lawyers can and the barristers can get really um frustrated as you know why is she going why is she taking so long uh not knowing that it's the interpreter is really trying to get what they've said into the language accurately and to the to to the accused so they can understand what what's being asked of them or what is said what are, you kind of talked a little bit we we had a question about what are the common mistakes that um people make when working with interpreters um and you've mentioned some there are there any others you can think of yeah i think sometimes expecting interpreters to be um to 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 be on your side as as a as a lawyer um whereas you know, we are trying to not take side or be biased like we're literally just an information channel so you can't favor um 
the, the side of the lawyer or the side of the accused or the person that you're interpreting for. Um, also, um, sometimes there are instances where you're asked to give an opinion on a cultural uh, issue um, that that the law is not quite interpreting or the, it doesn't it doesn't really come across um, and to be understood in a legal context. Uh, and the, 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 the judge or the lawyer or whoever that you're working with can ask you sometime, also, what do you think? And, you know, it's like, I know, I, I can't tell you what I think because that would be a breach of my code of ethics. I know what I think, but it's, it's, I'm not employed. Um, I know what I think. I think that. you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not employed to do that. You know, you can, you can actually, you can hire someone within the community that have that expertise to give an expert advice on that subject matter. Um, I can't come and play both an interpreter and uh, an advisor on a cultural issue. <laughs> so, so it's, um, yeah, and sometimes it could be the, the native speaker that really expect you to, to be understanding of their situation, to be on their side, because, you know, you're from the same cultural background. Why are you being mutual? And because we we come from a very communal um, society and community where every 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 older woman is your auntie, every older uncle is your every older young man is your uncle, and um, sometimes if you if you're very um, objective in your role, that can come across uh as can come across as rude and being disrespectful and you know you're lagging the the, the qualities of a, a you know a, a a very cultured south sudanese girl or south sudanese wow. woman and you know it's hard to communicate it to them sometimes that you know uncle or auntie this is this is my job that i'm doing i'm just doing my <laughs> job i'm not here as you know <laughs> um, you know That's it's true. so it's, yeah so what about um you know during covid like right now we're zooming this so how has has the online context affected your role i mean i imagine um there's a lot of information that that you gather um, that's not spoken so how how does that how has this online context affected your role i also know you there's telephone interpretation so how does that impact on what you do it is so complex right now uh, because most of the, the the communities that are in that i interpreted that i interpret for um it, as you know from learning English speaking background and that comes with another layer of sometimes not being uh, very sufficient with the usage of technology so sometimes um, I would spend a couple of minutes just trying to explain how to set them up online <laughs> rather than you know diving into um, my job and just doing the, the interpreting 
um, you know, sometimes they can we can be in a hearing and they they mute themselves or they turn the camera off. And I would say unmute yourself and turn the camera off. And and the lawyer or you know um, or the barrister saying, what are you telling them that I you know what are you telling them that I didn't tell you? I'm like, no, I'm just telling them to unmute. <laughs> so um, a lot of administration <laughs> duties that have been added onto my role, uh, but. It's, <laughs> It's um, yeah. It's 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 a it's a, it's a challenging time for everyone in the community. So we have to be patient and and understanding of the situation that we're all in. Oh my goodness, um, that's a funny story. Have you got? Is there any quick funny story that you've got from your time as an interpreter in the justice system? I'm sure there are plenty. <laughs> Yeah, there, there are there are instances where um, the verdict doesn't go uh, in favor of the accused, and they would <laughs> say really things that um, that if I was reinterpreting them back to the barrister, <laughs> the public potentially get them more into trouble. So I just choose not to interpret and then the person would be <laughs> shouting at me pretty much by that why aren't you interpreting and i'm like you don't want to know <laughs> i don't want to know and yeah. oh that's a great point to end our discussion on wow <laughs> over to you indra <laughs> yeah thank you so much for joining us it was just it's so interesting to get an insight into this role i mean it's just such a complex and nuanced role that I guess is potentially also somewhat overlooked sometimes like in in just how complex it is so thank you so much for for sharing your your insights and your experiences my pleasure thank you for having me I really had a good time it's good to have a laugh about the justice system every now and again <laughs> we need it and to you our listeners thank you for tuning in you've been listening to Indra, Gemma and Sue on Done By Law 3CR 855am Done By Law returns next week on Tuesday at 6pm stay tuned now for Voices of West Papua Fitzroy Legal Service has launched a free information and advice phone service for people who have been stopped questioned fined or charged for breaching the new COVID-19 restrictions. Have you been fined or charged under the new laws or stopped and questioned by police for being outside? Call 0434 136 501. Weekdays between 9am and 5pm. That's 0434 136 501. Or head to fitzroy-legal.org.au for more information. You can also report incidents at covidpolicing.org.au. Fitzroy Legal Service is a 3CR supporter. It's time to speak up, speak out and speak loud. From an idea born on a park bench outside Liberal Party headquarters, where hundreds of women told their stories of sexual violence, introducing Feminist Fridays. Join our open speaking circle to tell your story any way you want. A poem, a speech or a dance. You can even yell it out in the direction of Parliament House because that's where we'll be, on the steps. 
Feminist Fridays, starting Friday the 30th of April at 12pm. Join us. It's time to unite, heal and take back our power. Feminist Fridays isn't just a protest. We are a non-hierarchical collective ready to destroy the patriarchy, starting with your voice. This event is taking place on stolen Wurundjeri land and voices of First Nations people are prioritised. Hosted by Loud, Angry and Not Sorry. A 3CR supporter.